All right. Hi, I'm Scott Snyder. I write All-Star Batman and Witches and American Vampire. <laughs> I'm working on a book, AD. I'm way overworked, and I'm teaching, uh, and I have kids sick at home. I'm a total mess, but I am very close personal friends with the Court of Nerds, and I'm honored to be on the show anytime. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate listening ages. This is your Court of Nerds. And as the great rap lyricist, well, pick your poison, choose choose wisely, says, I'm back, bitch. We're back. Listen, um, things have been a little weird around the Court of Nerds offices. And by offices, I mean group chat. Uh, some of us have gone through a rough few months, and, and I'll use myself as an example uh, I had my father in and out of the hospital for a month and a half. I lost one of my closest friends to a sudden pulmonary embolism. And it's just been kind of tough to want to talk about comic books and, and have fun and be a goof. But we're back now. Lean and mean heading into 2019. And you can get this weekly podcast once again. That's right, kids. We're coming back once a week like the, like the damn TV shows you love. We're more consistent than Game of Thrones at the very least. We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> Joining me today, of course, here on the Court of Nerds, we've got Sledge. Hi, Sledgey. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. And, of course, the always uh, uh, incorrigible Ben Raven. Hello. <laughs> Host <laughs> of That's So Braven here on the Court of Nerds Podcast Network. Don't forget, by the way, you guys can catch Sledge on Sledge and Hammer Talking Cars, my favorite occasional car talk show, and... Reverse centaurs. Now, guys, lots to talk about in the nerd world. I don't want to go too far backwards in time, but I want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on right now. And I, and I want to lead with one that's still fairly fresh for me and, and that I think is fairly fresh for a lot of comic book fans. The end of Tom King and Mitch Gerard's Mr. Miracle run. It was set to be that. It wasn't a, a canceled series. This, was, this is one of my favorite things about Tom, Tom and Mitch is they set out to do a series they set what they want to do, they do it, and they're not going to drag it out just because it's a critical hit. And that's what they yeah. did with Mr. Miracle. They ended it perfectly. I mean, Sledge, what were your thoughts? I know you were like me. You were just engrossed in this series. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Well, first off, Eisner Awards aren't good enough for King and Gerards. Can we get Sweden on the phone right now and have them nominated for a Nobel in Literature? That's how good I think this is. Uh, and honestly, like... Last week, when Gavin was doing his poll list, he only mentions issue 12 briefly, and he's like, I, I got to read it again. And that, you know, I got and I got to read it from the beginning to the end. And that's that is exactly how I felt after I first read read issue 12. And it I don't know. How, how do I put it? Like King masterfully pens like terrific, terrific dialogue. Uh, and it's reminiscent of like how how do I put this with uh, by sounding sledgy? Uh, young college freshmen that just left a philosophy 101 class and they discovered Nietzsche. And the world and, hasn't beaten him down yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they somehow then transitioned to talking about cleaning up baby vomits, and then you know curtains, and then going back to mod being very maudlin. Uh, it's absurd, yet at the same time it feels very real. Like, and it's like our own coping mechanisms as we move through a world now that is very kind of, I don't want to say extreme, 
but has everybody on edge. And this is kind of where Tom King was coming from uh, back in 2016 when he started this endeavor uh, was, you know, the, the beginning of our current kind of political drama that is weighing out in front of us over the past two years. And I, I, I don't know, it kind of tears at your soul a little bit. And uh, it, do, we, do I spoil anything for this guy? It's been out for one week. Yeah, I don't think we're going to spoil or anything. I, I, we're going to try and avoid spoilers on this one just because it's it's been a week and there are a lot of people that are like you, myself, and Gavin who are like, okay, I've read it once, but I want the chance to read it a couple more times. Right, right. And so I'll, I'll, let, let's just say uh, that the end, we were we wanted to see the big picture and while we did get the big picture, that big picture isn't something we all wanted. <laughs> and it hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We, oh, yeah. That's, I think that's very accurate. And the larger cultural impact of this series, and again, Sledge, I love you bringing up that they are up for essentially a, a Swedish Nobel Prize. <laughs> um, and that's, 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 that's not even for Mr. Miracle. That's for their work on Sheriff of Babylon. Like yeah. the the cultural impact of of Mitch and Tom, but the, the just the cultural impact of Mister Miracle. You've got Seth Meyers stopping, you know, in the middle of doing his late night show with a guest to thank Mitch and Tom for this series, to say how grateful they are that this series was put out into the world, and you don't see that. I mean, Ben, I know you haven't gotten to delve too deep into it, but you were kind of the one who first tipped the rest of us off to the greatness of this duo. What's it like for you seeing this team that you were on to early have this much success? Oh, it just justifies every thought I've ever had in my mind that I'm always right. <laughs> Listen, you're not working a gimmick. Do the no, damn podcast. No, out I'm of just character. kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's really cool because I mean I I picked up Sheriff of Babylon just on a whim at a random advice from my old comic shop in Jackson and. I stuck with the series because I loved the art and just the weird storytelling format that Tom King, I mean, he just, I mean, he said it before on our podcast a couple of times. I mean, he just loves playing around with the format. And like when you get somebody who's just so free and loose like that and wants to play around, he's going to turn in a script that's like, lets the artist kind of take a free willing approach on that free willing script. I mean, this is what you get. These two just work great together. I mean. I did make it through the first couple of issues of Mr. Miracle, and I didn't stop by anything negative at all, just time restraints and travel and lack of reading comprehension, I guess. <laughs> no, no, it was a fantastic book, and I, I, I've got all the issues. I bought all the issues. I just want to sit down, start from the beginning, read it through to the end. But um, this team, whatever they do, you should buy. I mean, it's a storytelling adventure, and Mitch Gerard's is, like, next level. His art just, like... I don't know. I, I've I've never seen a team like this just like in this era be on the same page with their storytelling. I was gonna say I can only think of of a couple in this era, and, and there it's you know this. You're right. This isn't like the home run teams of the '90s where you were like, oh, so and so and so and so. You know, this is. I mean, it's Gerard's and King, uh, Snyder and Jock have not missed yet for me. Snyder and Jock have not missed for me. And then, uh, oh gosh, why can't I? Oh uh, gosh, why can't I think of the name of the man? Jeff Johns and and Gleason, Johns and Gleason, when they were on Green Lantern together, was some of the best damn work I've seen in a long time. But currently, there are I, I just named three duos off the top of my head that you're going to buy whatever this team puts out. Yeah, I'm going to buy whatever King and Gerards do. I'm going to buy whatever Jock and Snyder do. I'm going to buy. Well, if Jeff Johns writes anything, I basically buy it. But 
Johnson Gleason was a great team on Green Lantern, and they saved an entire character. So, uh, so just a really awesome thing to just kind of look at the cultural impact of of a guy in Tom King who we've had on our podcast a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was just the nicest guy to us, and and to see this level of success for him, it's so well deserved. All right, moving on to the next thing that we're going to chat about today. We've got a lot on our plates, but I want to go to something a little bit more whimsical, weird, and fun. Guys, I don't know if you saw the story. Star Wars is getting real. Most of the time we think of it as science fiction, but there's a chance Disney is trying to make this a little bit more science fact. They filed a patent for what looks to be almost a full working lightsaber. They're calling it the most realistic patent ever. And and again, Walt Disney World News Today shared the report. I feel like they're a legitimate publication. Yeah, uh, I actually went and looked up the patent because I'm me. (laughs) You uh, are you. Give me the tech specs, Kev. uh, Oh, I could go through one of my favorite like things when they're like pointing it out is uh, like on the on the uh, patent itself when describing the uh, essentially the reel that comes out with the LEDs as a diffuse penumbra of light. And I'm like, well, isn't that the most, you know, apropos description of the tip of a lightsaber? <laughs> uh, but, 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 yeah, I mean, it is essentially, uh, when you look at it and you break it down, uh, I want you to think of a, uh, a tape measure, you know, mm-hmm. that's spring-loaded, you know, and you pull it out and it comes back in, you pull it out and it comes back in. Uh, this is going to be motorized and it's going to be essentially LED tapes, you know, based, based on what I saw you know, saw through the patent. It's, uh, it looks like it's going to be very expensive. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm looking at the patent myself right yeah, now, they're, too. Yeah, they're billing it as this will not be a child's toy. This is more likely to be sold as a collector's item rather than anything else. So I'm guessing we'll see a limited number of them produced, individually numbered, and you'll only be able to buy them at Disney's uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge attractions for five thousand dollars. For five thousand dollars, <laughs> that's not a real price, but this no, that's is not an actual going price to be point. Cheap. Not going to be cheap. Yeah, if if you think this is going to be a lightsaber, you're going to go pick up at Target for the kids for Christmas. Hell no. Those shitty ones are like forty five dollars. Yeah, I mean we're we're looking at uh, this is look they're talking about this isn't going to come out till 2019, and and it likely will coincide with the opening of the Galaxy's Edge attractions. At Disneyland and Walt Disney World. This is the kind of thing you drop to open a major park. But I got to ask you guys, if it was like a more real, like how's this? I don't know if you'll ever get a real working lightsaber, right? But if it even had like a little bit of like a laser edge to it and could cut things. Oh, God. Is there a price you wouldn't pay for it? Like, again, Um, like, what's what's the point where you're like, no, guys, it's a working lightsaber. What's your highest price point that you're like, I will scrape all of my monies together, put it on layaway at Tardy's for 17 years, but eventually it will be mine. Five thousand dollars. Imagine like my family's and friends reaction uh, when I bring that home. It's like, well, nope. see you. Everything's going to be cut in half. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm going to use it to slice bread. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Finn, you want toast? Wum. <laughs> you know, it's... Shave my exactly pubes with it. The... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. You miss us, Sledge. You miss us. I lo- 
love, love you guys so, oh, man. so much. I just wanted to interrupt your train of That's thought. That's so gross. All right, Ben's at five grand. Sledge is that like, no, I'd have it, and I'd be cutting my house apart. I, I'd I'd probably find a way to spend probably up, I, I mean, up to 10 grand. I'd want it so bad. But yeah, what were you you're saying? I would cut everything with it. Yeah. Like that gross joke was like a reality, though. I would cut everything with it. I would find a way to <laughs> cut my hair with it. I'd trim my beard with it. I would do everything. No, you're right. I'm this, just a man. There's a reason that that shouldn't exist. Um, ben, or you, ben would go to the maternity ward and <laughs> offer free circumcisions <laughs> with it. I would. Ben's yeah. going to be walking into delivery rooms going, don't worry, I'm a Jedi master cutting wow. umbilical cords. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. All right. <laughs> Before this goes too far down our normal rabbit holes. Let's go with another franchise that loves chasing itself down rabbit holes, the Deadpool franchise. Of course, we've all seen the trailer at this point of Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu, which many assume he's only doing so he can make fun of himself for doing it in the next Deadpool movie. And some of you may think that's coming sooner than it is. You've seen the rumors about Once Upon a Deadpool, but it's not a new feature film from Deadpool per se. Now, Ryan Reynolds and the rest of the crew have confirmed there will be never-before-seen Deadpool footage in this PG-13 recut of one of the most vulgar movies of my lifetime. (laughs) Guys, I'm not just interested in how they're going to do this. I actually, I fully understand the why, but I also don't understand the why. Listen, Ryan Reynolds (laughs) wants to do this so more people see Deadpool. And Ryan Reynolds is doing this because... And again, the best part about this is how little sense it all makes. Because <laughs> the, the trailer only reason, has Fred Savage in it. The trailer has Fred Savage in it. None of it makes any damn sense. And the only reason Ryan Reynolds agreed to let the movie be recut for PG-13 is so is because the studio agreed to donate a dollar from every ticket sold to a cancer charity. But you've recut this movie to make it PG-13. Right? Acceptable for kids. So what charity for cancer did they choose? Fuck cancer. (laughs) It is the most, most Deadpoolian thing. The question I have for the two of you, and Sledge, I'll start with you. Are you going to go see this recut Deadpool to get this extra Deadpool-y footage? Uh, Probably not. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll watch it at home. Uh, but I already saw, you know, the real movie. And don't get me wrong, like, uh, this is going to, like, the PG-13 will anger about a, a few thousand 40-year-old diehard fanboys. Right. But I don't really care about them. It's going to pick out a, pick up about a million teenagers. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, that'll be too intense for some of them. And you're going to get a bunch of angry moms writing on their church lady message boards. Uh, and a few of them might be waving some signs there in the Bible Belt outside of a movie theater. Uh, but still, I mean, who cares? Uh, this is this is one. It's going to be for a good cause, and two, uh, it's it's more Deadpool, and uh, I can always support more Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. Uh, so yeah, I'll support him not at the box office because I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be seeing the new Wreck-It Ralph. Ah. Uh, but, uh, and I can't take Finn to see even a PG-13 movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> someday. Someday. Uh, for me, this means that I can take Isaac to see Deadpool. Like, and he's, he's going to lose his ever-loving tiny mind over it. Ben, what about you? Are you going to go see this? Hell yeah, I'm going to go see this. 
because oh. of the unseen footage or just to kind of support the whole, I mean, a dollar from every ticket goes to fuck cancer? All of those things. And also, I'm just fascinated how they're going to make this a PG-13 movie. Like, how much new footage it's going to be, how they're going to change shots. Because not only was it, like, extremely vulgar language-wise, there was a lot of, like, violent, violent moments in this movie. And a lot of that's not going to make the cut for PG-13. But, uh, yeah, good... I mean, new footage, good cause, Deadpool. I loved Deadpool too, so I want to see how the heck they're going to chop this up to be acceptable for a 13-year-old. Yeah. Because <laughs> the original version was not acceptable for, like, less than 21. <laughs> like, you got to experience some life to get some of those jokes in Deadpool too. <laughs> All right. Well, that leads me very nicely into to experience things and you have to be an adult too. It seems that the DC streaming services Titans <laughs> is only to be experienced by adults because fuck Batman. You're so edgy. You're so dark Dick Grayson. Oh yeah. Give me that edgy darkness and your Dick Grayson butt. I don't know if the TV Dick Grayson has as nice of a butt as Nightwing in the comics. I'm just speculating there. But something that isn't nice is that DC keeps trying to kill the second Robin. Much like the early poll in uh, that yep. killed Jason Todd. I've got the current results up when we're ready. DC has doubled down <laughs> and let you decide whether Jason Todd lives or dies once again. People are wimps. Where's the, re- <laughs> the results? 72% the Joker fails and Robin lives. 28% the Joker succeeds and Robin will not survive. So they want him to live. They want him to live. And I think it's because people people like the actor playing him on Titans. And, and it's a it's a weird, different Jason Todd from what I've read on reviews. Now, I, I've not purchased the DC streaming service yet. Yeah, there's only so many streaming services I can have. Right. Well, and for me, part of it is also that, you know, um, it just Young Justice isn't on there yet. I'll buy it when Young Justice is there. <laughs> You'll have my money. Don't worry, DC. I know, I was, have wa- it. I was waiting for one of you fart sniffers to buy it so I could steal that login. But. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Do I want to see Jason Todd dead? Hell yes, I want to see Jason Todd dead. That's every an, time! It's an easy yes. Every time! That's it. Every time, you want to, you want to, we all want him dead because that means we get Red Hood later. Yes. You know? And so, and we love Red Hood. Jason Todd was a terrible Robin. Terrible! Yep. There's a reason he died. Alright? It's Red true. A great character. There's a reason he died. Yes, Kev, because people voted for him to die. Yes. That's so terrible. awesome. I feel like in the original poll, right? The the phone poll that DC ran back in the was it the late eighties or mid nineties? Um somewhere around there. Early nineties. Early nineties. Okay, cool. Nineteen eighty eight. Ah, okay, cool. I was Uh-oh. three years old. I wasn't allowed to use a phone yet. It's the year I submerged from my <laughs> All right. Okay. That's enough of that submersion talk. Uh but the way that that I look at this is the first time around, people I think were so shocked that you could even vote to determine the the storyline. The power to kill somebody. You was had new. the power to right. So people were just like, Yeah, fuck him, he dies. But now people are like Wait a minute, that's a Robin. You don't want to kill him. You know, and they start singing the song from the Lego Batman, Fly, Robin, fly. Well, uh, back then, I think, because people loved Dick Grayson. Yep. All right? And uh, Jason Todd, as Robin, was a pale imitation of Dick Grayson. And nowadays, like, when you bring this up, should he 
live or die and stuff like that. Well, we have all these other Robins now, and to, to many people, he's indistinguishable. You know, uh, that's that's why I mean, just get rid of him as a Robin and just bring him back, put him in the Lazarus pit. You know, let him come back as Red Hood, and then he can you know start killing people. Right. Right. Simple oh, as that. It's you- it's listen. Red Hood is the better character. That's the thing. You know, Robin. Robin means something until like you figure out the thing that makes him leave Batman. Like that's the only. Well, listen, I still think Tim Drake is the most pathetic because he's the one who can't shed the damn Robin costume, stuck in the damn thing. Yeah. You know, listen, Damien is here now, bitch. Move on. <laughs> they were smart with the original poll. It cost fifty cents a call, yeah. and they got like eleven thousand votes. So they made some cake. Made a little bit of spending money. That's how they afforded all those foil variants. Now they're just giving wimps a chance to save some pointless Robin's life. <laughs> wimps, you heard it here, folks. You heard you it here. If you want to save Jason Todd's life, you are a wimp. You're a wimp. This is a man's podcast. <laughs> oh, Mike. You don't have the stones to pull the plug. Wow. All right. Listen, <laughs> Sledge, we always appreciate getting to catch uh, up with you. We will, you'll be part of these weekly podcasts that we'll be bringing you guys Going forward, Ben and I are going to do a little Comic-Con wrap-up. Sledge, I don't want to make you sit through it. I know it hurts your heart that you weren't able to be there with us this year. A little bit. A little bit. I don't want to rub salt in that open wound. So you beautiful man, go and enjoy the wilds of uh, the the Northeast, I guess? Yeah, New England. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully no more bears come for you, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Good tidings. All right. With Sledge uh, now off the phone, we'll do a quick little recap of our time at Grand Rapids Comic-Con. First of all, the crowd is always great, Ben. I've never had an issue with the audiences at Grand Rapids Comic-Con. Nope. Zero. None. I mean, we moderate panels for every type of guest that is there, every type of person who shows up to Grand Rapids Comic-Con. We probably crossed paths with at some point. And, and I have zero regrets about the crowd. The crowd is awesome. I love the people who attend this con, and, and they are always so kind and polite to us, even when we screw up, which we don't that often anymore, but people seem to be just so cool and kind and forgiving about everything. What's the highlight of the weekend for you? Was the, the highlight of the weekend, Ben? Uh, getting to a panel with Doug Jones and Rico Browning. That was really cool. That's your uh, Sunday morning, right? That was my Sunday morning. Yeah, Doug Jones is basically... Del Toro's favorite everything monster. You know? Yeah. Favorite monster. And Rico Browning was uh, from the, the creature from the black lagoon. So just having those two like very separate generations on stage together. And I mean, Doug Jones just had a pretty big year as the amphibian man in the shape of water. So I think he's been in like seven or eight Del Toro movies. So you've seen him many times before. So, I mean, that was just a cool moment. And that was a cool conversation. I mean, and Rico was fantastic. I think he's like 88 years old, and that room was just packed, 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 packed. And that was just that was just a cool moment. The most fun I had was on Friday with Anastasia Baranova from Z Nation. Anastasia Baranova. Yeah, yeah, that's how I was practicing saying her name before I went on stage. But yeah, we had the main stage, and there was only like 30 people there. And this is going to sound negative, but it wasn't. We just kind of didn't pay attention to the crowd because they didn't have a ton of questions, and we just had fun on stage for an hour. And you we, two had some magical moments. We did. It was fun. That was a blast. Uh, this year, was I had the most fun with my panels this year by far. Uh, and crowd interaction is a big part of that. They yeah. were awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys interacting and, and reacting when we're on stage is the most fun. I, I got to say, I got to do two panels with the ladies from Ruby and... 
I was, you know, Rooster Teeth is one of those companies that takes a special person to work there. I'd like to believe that someday maybe I'll be one of those special people. But also at 33, I don't know that I have the chance still. (laughs) But, you know, you kind of know what you're getting to a certain extent when you get a cast member from Ruby or someone from Rooster Teeth. You're going to get an energetic professional who loves what they do. Mm-hmm. And what we got with uh, with Elizabeth and Jen and Kara was we got a whole lot of warmth and love and and affection, not just for their characters, but for their fans. And and you know they had a lot of fun. Grant and I did a panel with them on a Saturday evening, and then Isaac and I did the panel with them on Sunday morning. And Kara and Elizabeth, uh, who play Weiss and Winter Schnee in Ruby, and Elizabeth is also uh, and again hilariously. Elizabeth, of the three ladies that were here for Ruby, Elizabeth has the smallest role in Ruby, but is the biggest voice actress of the three of them. Hmm. She is also uh, Midnight in the show My Hero Academia, which is arguably the biggest anime on the planet right now. But Elizabeth and Kara were so sweet to, te- to stop and take a picture with Isaac, uh, you know, just before he turned 11 years old. A really cool moment for me to see my son knowing how to interact with these people. But I'll, I'll say, Ben, flat out, the highlight of the weekend for me was seeing Isaac moderate one of the panels with you. Yeah, I'm trying to. Oh, that was for uh, Gary Busey. Uh, not Gary Busey, Jake. but uh, Jake Busey. Gary Busey's son, Jake, who was also fantastic. But yeah, Isaac did a great job running the main stage, Mike, hustling around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those weird moments as a dad where you're watching your kid grow up in front of you and, and do things that some adults wouldn't even have the courage to do. Yeah, exactly. And And he's 11 years old and he's just running around no fear and doing the work. So, you know, trying to figure all of that out, but also trying to keep everyone of us happy and, and, and just motivated and moving forward. Um, was there anything, I guess, and you know, we'll do this kind of like Mark does this. Was there anything you would change? Uh, the main stage was a little too distracting. I felt like I, I was too close to like the robotic stuff going on, and that's a lot of noise in the background when people are trying to have a conversation like 50 yards apart. That That's like literally the only negative. And it wasn't even really a negative. That's just me scraping no, but it's, for it's, something it's, to change. No, it's, yeah. and it's tough. It's one of those things, and I know that they had to flip the uh, the way that this, the stage yeah, is yeah. normally this year. Um, I liked the new layout, but you're right. I would like it to kind of be like the main hall is the main hall. You know, yeah. the main the main stage is the main stage. Yeah. No, yeah, the, yeah, the main stage, yeah. I mean, I liked the new layout. The floor was fantastic, and I liked the grand, the grand gallery rooms too, but that main stage, you know, just sometimes, especially on Sunday, it got pretty loud over there, and that's, you know, I mean, for some people, that can ruin a conversation. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's just something that we and they can explore together maybe. <laughs> uh, my, my one thing, if I was going to change one thing, and, and again – these are little things. We we generally love everything that goes down at Comic Con. I, I again, I liked the new setup. I liked the grand, the main stage being the first thing that you see when you come in. Uh, you know, and having the main stage be in Hall A seemed to make a lot more sense to me. Oh, the main one is in A. My biggest complaint, and until there's a way to fix it, is going to be the Monroe Room. It's going to be the Monroe Room. I mean, you have to go over the river, through the woods, okay, outside, yeah. inside, up, down. And it's, it's, and I hate saying this, it's a constant complaint from guests too, is, uh, you know, I have never been in that room. It's, I know. And I, well, I don't put you over there. <laughs> You're a main stager, Ben. That's right. But no, no, no. It's, there were some great, 
great guests over there this year that some people couldn't find because they didn't know where the heck the Monroe Room was. Yeah. And it's not that the Comic-Con staff isn't helpful and willing to help, but it's just that like it, it shouldn't be that tough. And some people don't ask questions. Right. Some people are just like, oh, excuse me, you know, it's a Comic-Con. There's some introverts. Yeah. And 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 I wish, you know, that like again, great panels, the the odd ones out who were a hit all weekend long. Big shout out to those guys. Mm-hmm. Um pros, by the way. For their I mean again, pros, consummate pros. The Ruby panels were out there. The big one, though, was, was Christopher Paulini, who wrote The Inheritance Cycle, the, the Aragon books. Mm-hmm. His one appearance of the weekend was Friday, and he was over there in the Monroe Room. And it was packed to the gills, but that room doesn't hold nearly enough people for Christopher Paulini's one panel of the weekend. So I think if I could change one thing, it would be if we could not have the Monroe Room and maybe use one of the upstairs gaming rooms, maybe do... One less room for gaming. Yeah, maybe put that uh the 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 sidekick lounge in the Monroe Moon. Monroe Room, yeah. If you're gonna have lounge, a yes. if you're gonna have a chill, relaxing room, put have it, it further away, away from, from everything, everything else, and then use that room for a smaller panel. But other than that, man, no no critiques, no oh, no. no issues, no complaints. That's us just subjectively digging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, much love as always, Mark Hodges from Grand Rapids Comic Con, a good friend and a good con runner and a good guy. Thank you for having us back. We hope to be back again next year. Um, yeah, let them know if you sat on yeah, one of listen, our panels. If you if you sat in on one of our panels, if you met one of us, um, if we were if we were sweet to you, uh, or even if you thought we were terrible and you want to get rid of us, yeah, just be honest. Okay. Be honest. We we prefer that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, on you know, honesty, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, let people know, but also we want to let people know that we are grateful. That we we have a lot of gratitude. Brittany, mm-hmm. Val, Liz, Brandon, Josie. Uh, I, gosh, I can't even. I can't name everyone who we interacted with over the weekend. But thank you guys so much for another great Grand Rapids Comic Con. As a quick reminder, this is going to be a weekly podcast again. Yeah. We fell off from that, but we're back now. We're not going away again. Trust us. We're here for this. Okay. Big thanks as always to our good friends at Tardy's Collectors Corner. We love them very very much. And we can't wait to see you guys at Grand Rapids Comic Con 2019. Dates are already out. Go to grcomiccon.com. That being said, I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And we are your Court of Nerds. This podcast made possible by our good friends at Tardy's Collector's Corner. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure you're checking for all the latest and greatest at Tardy's. Also brought to you by Grand Rapids Comic Con, November 9th through the 11th, 2018 at the DeVos Place. Tickets on sale now at grcomiccon.com.